0: Welcome to Christian Warrior Talk, proudly presented by Christian Warrior Mission, hosted by former Navy SEAL, SWAT officer, and atheist, now a warrior for Jesus Christ, Pastor Jason Perry. This is more than just a podcast. It's a spiritual vanguard where we intentionally set aside the hustle of our daily lives to come together. We gather to study the Bible, share in heartfelt prayer, and engage in meaningful discussions about all things Christian, homesteading, prepping, and self-defense. Lock shields with us, and together, we will hold the line. And now, let's meet your host, Pastor Jason Perry. You are listening to Patriot Crusader Mission, where Christian warriors are forged. Sponsored by Patriot Crusader Mission, Patreon page. Join us and become the Christian warrior you are called to be. Strengthen on us. At my signal, unleash hell. Do,
1: or do not, there is no try.
2: All right, hey, welcome to uh, Christian Warrior Talk Live, Biblical Life Support uh, Edition, and I'm always happy to welcome my great friend uh, and pastor, Ken graves to the program. I know so many of our viewers, uh, love seeing you here. Ken, every one of your shows is our highest rated shows. Um, and well, I know that yeah. everyone, uh, really appreciates your availability and your honesty, right? Um, yeah, thank you. It, it's hard to find a good resource in these challenging times for yeah. biblical truths. Um, and, you know, you're part of a very small group of of uh, pastors out there who I believe are giving it to us straight, whether we want to hear it or not. <laughs> right? So, we've had so many questions, and we've our community is is really growing very well. And I kind of want to retread some of the our earlier topics, um, where maybe our audio wasn't so good, or some we had some issues, and a lot of people have been asking. A lot of the same questions. So yeah. one of the questions I was hope one of the topics I was hoping to cover today was you know how to be a strong Christian man uh, and in today's world, which is basically in my opinion a, a Christian warrior for Christ. So um, I know you speak about this all around the country. Um, you know you get invited to you know countless men's conferences to speak on this issue. So I figured what better one for us to start off with today than to kind of give everyone a a manual, which obviously you're going to point to the Bible, but some starting points and some challenges uh, going forward on, Mm hey, put yourself in the shoes of someone right now, meaning, all right, I've kind of been a Christian, my beta male week church has turned me off. And I type in the words "how to be a strong Christian male" and answer that question from there. I know that's tough, and that's different than how you would do things, but I figured that's the most, literally, the most honest way of how someone's going to find this.
1: You know, honestly, uh, the the center of this being a Christian—if we're not somebody who's actually, um, whose heart is actually captured, captured by the hero um, Jesus Christ then we're not Christians, we're just religious. We're just somebody who got, we're, we're like uh, church folk. I mean, there's a lot of church folk that don't really know Christ, that don't actually have him as their very first allegiance. They're, right. they're just religious. And the only way to do that, I can tell you what happened to me, was I found him, he reveals himself. Now, God obviously reveals himself in creation. He 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 talks to our hearts and he reveals himself by our conscience, but it's only by written text. It is only by the word of God that we can actually know who He is, and He reveals Himself. And it's who He is that is supposed to be the primary influence on who we are and who we become. And I, I always say, Jay, it starts with uh, really knowing Christ. The only way to know Him is to find Him in His Word. He reveals Himself there, but also it is. Um, spending time with him. Uh, you can't really get to know anybody if you don't spend time with him. You're not actually talking. And for us, that, that is prayer. That is a, a two-way conversation whereby we, we talk to God, but then we also listen spiritually to have him talk to our heart and, and speak to us about things. He And he does. He's faithful to do that. He does it in a variety of ways. But he, he only does it to those who are listening. There's a lot of people that act like, you know, I've never heard God Speak and, and I, and you know, people will tell you that. But the fact is, they've never listened, they never leaned in and said, God, please talk to me. Because He is this way. If we, if we, He says this, all who ask receive, this is the words of the Son of God, all who knock will have it opened, and all who seek will find. So it really comes right down to asking, knocking, seeking, and pursuing after God. Nobody sort of um, accidentally encounters God to the to the degree that they really know him. He is known only by those who will pursue. And I, I really do believe the third thing, besides, you know, the word of God and prayer, is, you know, what we call fellowship. And fellowship is not just gathering in one building, singing a few songs together, hearing some Bible and then going. Fellowship is actually the exchange of thoughts. It's actually sitting with people and getting your story, getting their story, and then sharing the, you know, the struggles of life that we've all got. And you discover in the process of doing that, what the scripture says, First uh, Corinthians 10, 13, uh, there have no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful, he'll not let you be tempted above what you're able, but will with every temptation provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear up under it. So it's in the course of fellowship that we were talking with people that you find, wow, I'm not that weird, I'm not that different. There are other weird people. And um, (laughs) that, you know, we need each other. We need to reinforce each other's knowledge of God, and we need to reinforce each other's faith. And that uh, fellowship is a big deal. The fourth one, I would say, is communion, you know, visiting the Lord's table. It's a simple little ceremony that, you know, we're supposed to do when we gather with other believers, whereby we remind ourselves and each other of the broken body of Jesus Christ and the poured out blood, the price that was paid to make us Christians, to make us God's children. So in Acts 2.42, the book of Acts, second chapter... 42nd verse, the description of the first century Christians, the ones that really changed the world, it says they committed themselves to those four things, to the Word of God, the teaching of the Word of God, to prayer, to actually spending time talking to God, to fellowship and communion. Those four things were what their life was about. And I can tell you this, when when it first happened with me, and, and, and I was young, I was in my teens, but I... Life was just so full of pain, so much hate in my heart, so much bitterness. I was, I was on a really bad course, a really bad trajectory, when ultimately the troubles in my life caused me to turn to God, and I turned to the Bible. I always had a suspicion that I would find wisdom there. I always had this sort of innate um, knowledge that in that book I would find the answers to my many questions. But I was a kid and I was lazy, so I procrastinated a lot and didn't. You know, I kept putting it off. I'd start reading, and then I wouldn't be consistent. It was in my thirteenth year of living when I finally dove into the New Testament and just kept reading. It was a, and, and it was partly discipline, but it was also I was captured. It was like a book that 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 caught me. And you know how it is. There's, there's, every now and then, as we say, I, I couldn't put the book down. But well, that was kind of my experience. It's, is really getting to know Jesus Christ as he actually is, not as religion presented him or not as silly pictures on, you know, on walls, but the hero that he is. So I would say that the the whole key to being a Christian man or a Christian woman is being all about Christ and spending time with Christ, knowing Him to the point where we recognize him as not just a great example, but who he actually reveals himself to be, and that is God in human form, God who makes himself understandable, uh, you know, God who is actually infinite, who is omnipotent, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he has always been, God is so much for us to try to comprehend, God makes himself relatable to humanity by stepping into human history as a human, and that is who Jesus Christ is, Amen. so... That's the deal with how, you know, you can't, you can't be a Christian if that truth hasn't gripped you. If that truth has not captured your heart, right. then he, he becomes your king, the Lord of your life, and you're in number one
2: allegiance. So a couple things I want to go over there, <clears throat> and they're challenges to what you just stated. One, I think a lot of men want to see themselves as the hero of the story. And Jesus is the hero of the story. So, you know, that is one of the first things you need to accept, that he is the supreme hero of the story. And you just pray to play some small role in whatever way you can, right?
1: And Truthfully, the only way we're going to be the hero that we need to be is by being the rescued first. Right. Right. By recognizing the greatness of Christ, it brings out greatness in us and humanity.
2: So the second challenge I see to what you just said was the, you know, a lot of people think prayer life is just a wish list and they don't do right. the listening part, which you said, spend time alone with God, right? Yeah. It's literally like it would be me bringing you on the show and me talking at you the whole way yeah. and never letting you get a word in edgewise. And the, and what we do with God typically being our busy, busy, busy lives is now And we ask, 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 and then go and start multitasking and doing everything else. And God doesn't, he's not Mm going to bowl you over unless you're really important and you're Paul on the road. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's right. Right. The rest of us, we got to get quiet and we got to hear him and we Mm got to make time for that. And I think that that's uh you know, a part of this that people need to realize that, you know, turning off your phones, going somewhere in, in his creation, like you said, he speaks to you through his creation. So you might as well go in the one of his languages right away. Right. And, and try to find him there, which is why it's so important for me to live someplace nice. Right. You know, it nature based, you know, yeah. where man is not the King. Like, you know, I don't feel, at peace in God in, in, in Babylon, you know, where the sky rises are and all the, and all that. I don't, I yeah. feel it in the mountains or in the streams yeah. or by the lakes or on the ocean where only he could create that. Yeah. I don't want some pretend thing. You know, we just got back from Gatlinburg, Tennessee on a scouting trip out there. And we drove through a place there where Dollywood is, and it's this place called Pigeon Forge, and it's this rolling town, and it's like Vegas. It's so fake. Um, you got King Kong climbing on the side of a building, and it's just, you know, it's a great place for kids and vacations and stuff like that, but that was not God's creation. Whereas if you look out of place, doesn't it? Yeah, it really, really, like it just felt, I mean, it, I imagine that it was a blister on God's amazing landscape of the Smoky Mountains there. That's what it reminded me of, you know, that was the imperfection of the area. Nothing else, beautiful Smoky Mountains, beautiful rolling hills, beautiful everything. And there is this blister, uh, this canker sore right there that just was disgusting to me. But, you know, again, again, I'm sure it's a great place for a lot of other things. So I think getting unbusy and finding a way to get unbusy, uh, and doing that. And I know for me, if I don't do it in the morning, it even takes precedence over my workout. I'm not going to do it.
1: Yeah. If oh, I... and not only that, not only that, Jake, but but think about this in, uh, in, in human relationships. They, they've, uh, I, I think I've mentioned this before on here that they've done these uh, surveys where they asked dads the question, how much time, do you actually believe you spend daily with your children in direct communication, two-way communication? How much time? And, and when you ask the dad, he'll say probably, oh, 15 to 30 minutes. You know, they'll come up with something like that. But then they put cameras in the uh, living space and actually track the guy's behavior. And they have to break it to him and give him the actual numbers at the end of a week. And see, the typical week you've spent Thirty seconds a day wow. in direct one-on uh, direct, you know, one-on-one two-way communication. It, it may seem, it, in their perception, it's a whole lot more. You know, it, I think it's that way with our relationship with God, and I think that's the reason why. There are two things here. There's two separate things. One is the daily discipline—a a designated meeting time—and as we've been talking here about a designated place where you can just go get along with the Lord. In the Sermon on the Mount of the Lord, Jesus talked about going into your closet, you know, in a, in a private place where you can actually close the door and be with the Lord. Um, but then there's, there's that, but separate from that is just an ongoing line of communication that you keep happening with God all day long. That you don't, as Christians have a tendency to practice this thing where they go, In Jesus' name, amen. That's signing off, it's saying goodbye. Not saying goodbye. Instead let your amen just be all right. There's my my prayers, my my petitions, so be it. But then all day long, continuing the conversation, all day long, uh, praying about talking to God about what you're witnessing, what you're seeing, or what's going on in your head, I find myself all day long saying, Oh Lord, give me my thoughts. I catch them, you know, get them yeah. back on track, with a with just whispering, Lord, forgive. I hate that I still think like that, that kind of thing. So there's, you know, there's a designated time for um, speaking to the Lord formally in prayer and uh, receiving from his word, but then practice of just getting used to him being in your life and uh, just talking all day long. And you can right. do it with, you got, you got friends with, you got family members with you, you can say, Hey, let's, uh, let's pray about that thing we just talked about. Or when you're alone drive time and, Anytime, instead of just cranking the music and getting mindless and doing what we call amusing, we could actually muse. And we could do it out loud, talk to the Lord about what's going on in the crazy world, our need for wisdom. So I I really believe in that. too. That's important.
0: Christian Warrior Talk is sponsored by Trident Shield, your trusted ally in violence preparedness. Trident Shield safeguards your loved ones with expert training and consulting. Trident Shield, defending faith through preparedness because together we save lives.
2: So the other part of this is, you know, that I'm um, that's gonna piggyback on the time commitment is the fellowship thing. It is not easy, particularly in rural areas, to gather and get into fellowship. It is a pain in the butt. You got. Takes work. Yeah, yep. it takes work. It takes effort, and you know, one of the things that I pride myself in is being a good friend. Meaning, I invest in my relationships, right? Yeah. I, you know, it it is not easy to sit there and say, you know, I haven't talked to who haven't I talked to in a while that might need to hear from me, and I reach out to mm-hmm. them, and I call them to be try to be a good friend right? Or, you know, and I'm constantly trying to do that, because I wish people would do that for me. And I know that when I'm down in the dumps, you know, getting a check in from a long lost friend um, is a a really is a great thing, you know. So, you know, being in fellowship, it's once you're there, you always know it's worth it by getting out of your own darn way to spend time with fellow brothers and believers in Christ. Um,
1: Profoundly true. So A lot of times we have to actually make the decision. I'm going to do this because it's good for me. And I'm going to do this because they need me and I need them, but I don't, I maybe don't feel like it, right. but I'm going to do it. And then every time we do that, we find ourselves glad that we did.
2: Yes. We're blessed by that. And yep. we have no idea how much that blessing is being magnified through everyone's life there. Right. Because it's not just yeah. a bless a one way blessing. It's everyone there compounding yep. upon that and you know and i and i really just have to encourage people we have a, a you know typically in this covid-19 era where we have been driven you know to self-isolation that people really need to seek out brothers and sisters in christ yes. and and lean on each other and pray with each other and 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 share this experience with one another because that's where you know iron sharpens iron yep so. Profoundly true. In
1: fact, it's it's one of the best ways we can rebel against the foolishness yep. you know, of our government ordering us into isolation.
2: Yep. So the uh, next we can go ahead. So the next thing I wanted uh, to tackle is a little bit of spiritual warfare, and I'm not sure if it's actually spiritual warfare, but I, I would, that's the easiest way I could define it. So one of the easiest you know one of the most powerful things in existence is words you know god spoke creation into existence so words have power right Mm -hmm. and one of the things that the enemy has done through the left is the redefining of terms to chip away at the bible and i think one of the biggest examples of this is the word meekness right meekness used to mean controlled strength right Mm -hmm. someone who was in control who didn't like who had the power they weren't harmless little slimeball weak things in the corner they were powerful moses was a powerful man and he's described as the meekest one there power in check right let Mm -hmm. me read you what Miriam Webster's dictionary is of meekness today. Ken, Miriam Webster, mm-hmm. yeah, enduring injury with patience and with without resentment. Okay, mild, a meek child, dominated by his brothers. Check this one: deficient in spirit and courage, submissive. Wait, deficient, deficient in spirit and courage. I don't That's care. The wow. Came the meek reply from. And that Miller, that is apathy. Yeah. You know what That's I'm saying? Like that All is right, well.
1: Then let me let me yeah. read you the uh, the uh, Webster's 1828 definition. Great of what is what is meek. It is of mild of temper. It is gentle, not easily provoked or irritated. It is somewhat yielding, given to forbearance under injury and uh, appropriately humble as an evangelical sense, submissive to the divine will, not proud, not self-sufficient or refractory, not peevish, <coughs> touchy, not yeah. peevish and apt uh, or apt to complain of divine dispensations. Christ says, learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find the rest in your souls he says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So naturally, the 1828 edition is going to quote Christ on meekness. The ultimate, I'm, I'm sorry, on what it is to be meek. And meekness, according to the 1828 Websters, is in an evangelical sense, humility. It is submission to the divine will without murmuring. Uh, opposed to pride, arrogance, and refraction. that cool? So he, he writes, meekness is a grace which Jesus alone uh, inculcated, and which no ancient philosophers seem to have understood or recommended. Webster's <laughs> just like, no ancient philosophers really got meekness, only Christ, he gets it. And he has the power to destroy everyone. And, and could have, you know, one, no need to even go to the cross. But on the cross, his mockers are saying, Come down off that cross, then we'll believe in you. Right? Save yourself. And he could not save himself and us. He chose to stay spiked to that tree when he had the power to. He could have, Oh, when you think about all they could in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Peter thinks, Okay, I got to fight now, swing, and he he produces a sword and he he takes, he draws first blood. our Lord Jesus said to him, Peter, put away your sword. He said, don't you know that right now I could call 12 legions. Now you think about the Roman legion and the, the legendary uh, uh, exploits of the, the legionnaire. What would an angelic legion, I could call 12 legions of angels. But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled? That was Christ saying, I've got a mission and i'm going to restrain all of that power i'm going to not be provoked i'm going to i'm going to humbly endure this mistreatment i'm going to, go to the, i'm going to let these people kill me this <laughs> just when he has the power uh, i don't know if you know this there's one place in isaiah where the syrians were coming against israel and and you know isaiah had a good king he sought god he prayed for deliverance he King Hezekiah, and God came through. God sent one angel. One angel in one night killed 186,000 Syrians. Wow, what could 12 legions do? You think about the, they're a higher form of life. They they are interdimensional being, they are are powerful. In in contrast to humanity, we're, we're we're so little. What would 12 legions of angels do? And all he had to do was just give the order. And uh, that statement alone, he's like, Do you really think I need you to fight for me?
2: So if you contrast that right to the definition of meek here again in Mom Webster's website, yeah. enduring injury with patience without resentment, mild, mm-hmm. a deficient in spirit and courage, submissive, not violent or strong, moderate. And this is a direct attack on christ because if you were to describe christ in a lot of different ways they have migrated from the truth redefining the word and what has that word done it's invaded every church out there or just about a vast majority of modern churchianity today and yeah. that is the definition that they are preaching that is the christ and, that they are and following. modeling yeah modeling and that is their version of christ Christ, you're telling me that christ wasn't strong if you ever felt pain to be able to be in control knowing you could wipe everyone out and to be yeah. in that in control right and that bridal control that he had it, it's just it just shows you that one you know the devil is involved in this he has is the father of lies And changing the meaning of words from their original purpose is the way they're winning this. It's the way they define everything.
1: How do they, how do they throw submission and submission to what?
2: Submission to hold on. I me. I got to go back and pull it up. So um, meek definition.
1: Because 1828, Daniel Webster said submission to divine will.
2: So here it is again. Deficient in spirit and courage. Submissive. So if you're submissive, you're deficient in spirit and courage. Meaning that, you you know what I'm saying? I mean, mean, if this isn't, if this isn't, you know, an, another play on like again, feminism is another one of these yeah. things, right? Where they're, yep. you know, trying to redefine the whole world and human studies and women's studies and all these other things, where they have, you know, legions of professors out there rewriting the English language so that it becomes, so their distorted truth becomes the reality that everyone is accepting when it's not.
1: Well, none of that. You've, you've no doubt heard that right away. No, the Obama administration was, was very subtle about this. The Obama administration would always say, we have here in America, we believe in freedom of worship. You go, whoa, whoa, well, now hold on. No, our founders talked of freedom of religion. Religion is yep. something you do. You practice that everywhere. Worship, you people do that over there in your little church house. You have no business out here in the public square. That was the subtlety of Obama's uh, word game. And Hillary Clinton was always using that. Freedom of worship. That was brand new in American history. Americans had never talked about freedom of worship. We talked about freedom of religion. Now, right now, just within the last few days, you have seen the Obama administration do it with a brand new word. We have been using the word equality since our birth certificate. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and are endowed by the creator with certain inalienable rights equal. Now, we're not talking about equal or equality. Now it's equity, a oh. brand new word that presumes then to be able to take from some to give to others instead of an equal free opportunity for everybody to pursue happiness. Now, equity means we take happiness away from some because they have too much and we give it to others. That little word game is being played right now on the federal level.
2: Yeah, and and you said the Obama administration, that was a Freudian slip, but it really is Obama two point with the Biden administration. <laughs> you know, so the
1: old yeah, old Biden administration.
2: Yeah. So, you know, and again, these are the stumbling blocks at what the former atheist or someone who has been locked into churchianity, the Joel Olstein type thing, uh health coach or life coach, pastor type thing where They are so lost, Ken, and men are so lost and, you know, men truly are, they're they're in a dark place right now. And what we need is strong Christian men, strong Christian warriors throughout our society, reinforcing, taking, you know, leading their families and their communities back to God. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and we have to notice these landmines that they put out there by changing the word of meek that meek is not mean that you are deficient and cowardly and you know basically calling christ that you know i mean yep. it is it is it's it's mind-blowing so so we've, we we've recognized that time is a problem right and busyness is a problem we recognize that language is is a, a problem in the ink you know as far as you know the spiritual warfare aspect of this you know, changing our day to day language and attacking the church and the foundations of the church. Yeah. yeah, we, you know, so as as men, we combat these things. In what ways? So one is fellowship, like we said, realizing that we're not the crazy ones getting around like minded individuals and reinforcing each other's beliefs and one. What are some, uh, you know, the book you know, the Bible is another one, finding it in, in here and finding it as close to the original translation as possible. Can you talk about the versions of the Bible? And I've, I've heard some people call some versions of the Bibles, you know, straight out of the pits of hell. Can you talk about, um, you know, like the differences between the different versions and where you think men sh- or, you know, Christ- strong Christians should go for God's word?
1: Well, I can tell you that, god has preserved his word that that's reality that most of the english translations are really um they're all good some are better translations but you know the the issue when it comes to uh english translations of the scripture is what text did they translate from because there are certain ancient texts which are there may be more of them but they're not as old as others so are we we really like the King James Version because it translates the oldest of the texts of scripture, whereas some of the some of those uh, manuscripts are not as old and therefore there are things that are missing or, or omitted. And the other thing you gotta always factor in is who were the translators? Who were they and what was their agenda? So if I write a letter to, to somebody and it has to run through someone else because that person I wrote the letter to speaks a different language. I'm gonna be concerned about the agenda of the translator. One of my, one of my friends was in Russia preaching and um, they were on the train traveling to where they were gonna, him the uh, translator, interpreter. And um, the interpreter asked him, so what are you, uh, what are you preaching tonight? My buddy told him the text, he's going to be preaching. And he looked at the translator and said, what are you preaching tonight? Kind of a joke. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> implying. It
2: took me a second to figure out what you're saying. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: implying, implying that he was going to do
2: his own thing. Yeah. It, are yeah, you really being exactly.
1: true to what I'm saying to people? <laughs> and, uh, you, so you've got to factor in. Who, who are they and what is their agenda? And there are a couple of Bible translations that are really modern that are not trustworthy. Um, God's word is powerful. So, you know, it, it is uh, amazing to me. When I was a boy and I first started reading the Bible, I was reading a paraphrase. So it's not even a really a, a scholarly work, a word for word translation, a paraphrase. is just somebody saying, well, let me give you, a, here's the rough idea of what it's to say. And that was still powerful enough to alter my life. I, mean, I agree with that. To me, that was like a children's Bible. And uh, I agree with that, and I think a person should. Um, if, the, if there was a cult involved in the translation, for example, the, the uh, Watchtower Organization, or as we call them, uh, they call themselves Jehovah's Witnesses, they got their New World Translation. Now, if, if a cult, if their starting point is we're a cult and we are denying Orthodox Christian doctrines, like the divinity of Jesus Christ, well, then you can't really trust their, their translation. They do some some sneaky things. Right. But you know, they, they call that one the New World Translation. And it's 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 deeply flawed. It's it's not reliable. But other than that, really honestly, I, I think that uh, God has preserved his word. Our English Bibles are they're great. The English Standard Version is great, the New American Standard Version is great. The uh, oh, there's so many Schofield Bible, the the, the Geneva Bible. King James Version, there's, there's so many. We are, as English-speaking people, we are the richest of all, with regard to how many translations of the scripture we have access to. I'm not the biggest fan of what is called the New International Version, just because of the corruption of the cast of characters that were involved in that translation. Among them were homosexuals and lesbians, you know, really liberal minded. You know how liberalism works, politically. You know that uh, a little, like what the Son of God said, a little bit of leaven, a little yeast. You know, it works its way through the whole batch of dough. Yeah, it's that way with with theology. Uh, A a theological liberal is somebody that that is very generous in judging the scriptures. Say, I believe this part's true, and I'm not think that was actually inspired of God that part there. Uh, A theological conservative is somebody who says. I'm not judging that book, no that book's going to judge me. I will let it speak to me and so if you know somebody's a theological liberal if they're if they're if they're um you know uh, all woke they're going to corrupt what comes through them they're going take the Bible and run it through their own brain and alter it so i'm I'm a real fan of the old english king james version
2: i you know the the old um You know the guy the part of me who likes you know viking movies and king arthur and all that stuff loves reading the the thoust and all that stuff um it can be a little cumbersome though at at times for me takes a little getting used to yeah and you know one of the great things about the technology we have with the supercomputers in our pockets is when i stumble upon a Mm -hmm. line of scripture i can literally check 40, 50 different versions of it and read That's it from right. different angles to try to find mm-hmm. what speaks what what rings true. And I can all it's also show me at times that I've gone to clarity where I've seen text um totally distorted. Uh like there's one, it's it's beautifully written. It's like written by, you know, I can't remember what version it's called, but it's um it's one of the more modern versions where they they just use beautiful language throughout it, and a lot of times they say stuff, and I'm like, wow, that's beautiful, and it held to, to what it's supposed to be. And then other times, I'm like, they just totally changed the, everything about that. Um, yep. I can't that, And
1: you you make yeah. a valuable point right there that you have so many English translations, you can actually have them in one app, yes. and then you're able to compare them, find out okay, the majority of them translated this word or this verse this way. And these guys here in this one are all on their own out here. With that that, that contrast—you're able to compare them. Yeah, and that's something. That's something that you know. Something. The message was at. the
2: one I was talking about. The message can Dude, really tear off. T-
1: it is terrible. Yeah. No, that that yep. particular—that is the most unreliable of all.
2: Without a doubt. I didn't mention that one. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and you know, but. Th- You know, for the ones they get right, you'll sit there and you'll read it, and it's almost like poetry, and it's pretty, and it sounds great. But there's so much of it where if that was your version, you would walk away believing something almost completely different. Yeah. And that's why I I take that, and I take it to the ESV, and I take it to the Christian Standard Bible, and I take it to the King James Version. And I'm like, and, and that has really shown me the era of some of these translations. So, sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah. Well, that's that's very important. Yeah, but it's uh, it's it's a uh, if you have got like the Blue Letter Bible app, <clears> that's one of the best ones of all. I've never Blue heard Blue Letter of it. Bible app.
2: Blue it, it, Letter it, it, Bible app.
1: Yeah, and it, it'll give you. Man, you got Bible dictionaries. You can click on the word and go, "What's the Greek definition of this word?" That's really handy. And and there's Bible commentary on there from good, reliable commentators. You really nailed it. We've got. Uh, We've got things that no generation of Christians ever had. We've got an entire vast library we can put in our pocket and we can access it.
0: It's
2: amazing. It really is. So, um, you know, the other thing that I've been using, U version. Um, with uh, Patriot Crusader Mission and our 90-Day Crucible Challenge. And I've been going through it because they've got plans in there, right? They've got plans in there where there's a devotional. They'll pick a topic, um, whether it's spiritual warfare or uh, marriage, the man's role in marriage. And then it just kind of bounces around the Bibles to different parts to speak to that. They do a devotional, and then we talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I find that to be very helpful. And that's something that speaks to your fellowship point where sometimes – we're spread out from distances like we are now and using these tools to be in fellowship with people and talking about what did this mean to you and how did this apply to your life and going through these studies can 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 be a stopgap a stopgap right um if you can't get around other people but I always yeah. would advocate for that. So the blue letter bible thing you just said I'm going to be downloading that, you know, cuz one thing that the, the U version doesn't have is it doesn't have the study notes. It doesn't have the commentary in there yeah. mm-hmm. which I really need and Lauren has, you know, really, you know, particularly in her study where she's gone in there and it's like wow. I mean, there are some old Testament stuff I could read a thousand times and not get it, again. God is yeah. not revealing it to me. I'm stumbling over it. You know, I, I don't know what the purpose of the, you know, I understand like the genealogies and all that stuff showing, tracing it in theory, but Holy smokes, you know, but being able to roll back and go in there and see what the overall theme is and having somebody you trust do that is very valuable.
1: That Trust. There you go. That's a good thing to mention right there. If, if somebody, some of the worst teachers in, in America, um, you know, they call themselves pastors. They play this little game when they write a book or, or when they are, you know, uh, publicly teaching where they're always quoting from a different version, a different English translation. And I, I believe that's cause for suspicion.
2: Yes. They're
1: always looking for it to be said the way they want it said. That's at, at the heart of that
2: mm-hmm. is
1: they're coming to the scripture and they want they to use the scripture to make their point. Right. So they use, you know, every single available English translation and, and uh, instead of just sticking with one, it, it, that is cause for distrust of that particular teacher.
2: So one of the things as an atheist that I would, you know, that I would have, you know, I would doubt, The authenticity of the Bible or how it could be accurate because flawed men, you know, Mm -hmm. did, you know, were writing it. And then, you know, you read the soup of, you know, politics and what into, you know, why the King James was written and this and that and this version and what was kept Mm -hmm. in, what was kept out, particularly when you talk to Catholics. Can you expound upon that and say how we know that the word of God is true down to the, the finest dot?
1: One of the best resources that any Christian could add to their library is a little book called Halley's Bible Handbook. And it, uh, it really does a great job of summarizing how the scripture came together and how we ought to be using it or letting it use us. Halley's Bible Handbook is a great resource for anybody who's serious about really knowing the Bible. There's a, uh, you know, there's a new version. uh, You know how history gets rewritten. All right. You're, your audience knows that the left are famously rewriting history. Yep, they're, they're doing that to American history. They want to recast us as something that we were not. That we were just a bunch of greedy, exploitive Europeans who came here and built everything we did on slavery. That's not true. Yep. We're people who sought freedom. We're people, white people who sought freedom as well, that new indentured uh, servitude and and, uh, and even coming here, most of us came here, our ancestors came here as some version of a slave in order to work off the debt, to even just pay off the trip here. Um, our Pilgrim fathers were, they owed a company that financed that whole thing. And, um, the revision of history is exactly what's happened with regard to the Bible. Since the uh, you know popularity of the novel then turned into a film, the Da Vinci Code. There's all kinds of people that want to get their version of history from a Hollywood, from a novel, a paperback for crying out loud. Yeah. That's not a scholarly work. And so the 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 widespread new modern belief is that it was all political, and then you know, these church leaders came together under the influence of Rome and Nicaea in order to vote on what would be included in the Bible. It was all politics. Well, that's a lie. It's a revision of the, the true story of, of Nicaea and exactly what all happened there. The Bible existed before Nicaea, before the Nicaean Council, or, you know, the third century. The, the empire, the Roman empire that had been uh, feeding Christians to lions, the Roman empire that had slaughtered six million Christians in three centuries, Finally, got an emperor that said, "All right, that's not working. That's not working. Let's make peace with the Christians. Let's let's actually, if you can't beat them, let's join them." And so, the emperor Constantine calls for peace against the Christians, an end to the persecution, and then he calls the Christians together to so essentially Christian leaders to say, "All right, we we want to join you. We don't want to fight you anymore. We we need to unify the uh, this empire uh, under the banner." of the cross. So tell us, we want to be Christians. What do you Christians actually believe? And, you know, the, the Christian leaders who came from all over the Roman Empire to Nicaea came knowing that this actually could just be a trap to take out all the leadership of Christianity in the in the empire. They had all came with their scars. They came, some of them uh, had to come only writing in person because the empire had cut their tongue out because they preached Christ and they were such an influence. These were people that had been tortured. They had suffered much. They're not political people. They came there at their own peril to take a stand, as they had been doing their whole life. And it wasn't, let's, let's vote on what's going to be in the Bible. Let's vote on what Christians actually believe. It was them coming together saying, well, we'll tell you what we believe. And we'll tell you what our scriptures are and what they have always been. And that's exactly what happened in uh, in Nicaea. The Bible came together really as quite a miraculous book. We're talking about a a period of 1,400 years that took for the Bible to be compiled. You've got uh, 66 authors, 66 different authors that are spread out by that period of time, 1,400 years. They come from all different walks of life. One thing they all share is that they're all descendants of Abraham. They're all Jews, every one of them. God's chosen people, he spoke through them. He delivered to us uh, this integrated message system that we call the Bible. The real miracle is that 66 men could write. They're not just men, I should tell you. The Bible says, holy men wrote as the Spirit gave them utterance. No, it's not just men. It was holy men significant kind of man. They actually wrote as the Spirit of God breathed it through them. And what a miracle the Bible actually is that you got 66 authors spread out by time and and culture writing something that has one continuous theme, one continuous and complementary message. It is not as the people who've never read the Bible want to claim. It's full of contradictions. Contradictions in this book the real miracle is overlooked that you contra- could actually have. Yeah, Go ahead. The,
2: the only contradictions in that book are what is what modern Christianity has done by turning Jesus into like a life coach, you know, yeah. and all that. Like God yeah. is universally true. They want to take the love and, and throw out the wrath. And, you know, and that is the the they want God to conform to their warped lifestyles and mm-hmm. their warped morality i watched a uh a youtube show um where they brought three conservative christians bible believing christians and three <laughs> what they called liberal christians mm-hmm. and they're not christians at all they them i mean they were the bible is not inerrant you know right. anything that paul wrote was not divine you know it was not written by right. god you know like they literally you know throw out everything and this is of course coming from a gay pastor right i was gonna say they
1: always fly the rainbow flag yeah yeah the cross is not their banner
2: yeah and uh um, rainbow you know i mean that's why you had that should be the first thing but the thing that blew me away is you know the lay Catholics that I know, and I've grew up in Massachusetts, in Boston, Massachusetts, where you know you can't go a block without running into a Catholic castle somewhere, right? Yeah. And yeah. most of the lay people who went through CCD, which is there, not not to be confused with CRD. But CCD, which is like their Catholic school kids for their kids, right? They have to understand things, which I appreciate them educating. But they yeah. do a terrible job educating them because everyone I ask them, I go, "Is the Bible an inerrant, you know, book of truth?" And they're like, "No, it's a bunch of stories that kind of give us the moral, uh, you know, that give us moral lessons in there." And I'm like, "What? Like, here I was, I was a 37 year atheist, coming to Christianity." And I'm talking to this lifelong believer Catholic, and he doesn't even have the basics right.
1: Right. No, in in, there, in that particular uh, movement, the thing that is infallible according to them is the church. I mean, the Pope when he speaks, as they say, ex cathedra. It's not like everything he says is infallible, but when he speaks ex cathedra, when he is in this mode of actually transmitting from God, he's infallible, and they think that the church together is the final authority. Protestant Reformation happened because, you know, the church in Europe had drifted into that direction. And the Reformation happened when the Bible was suddenly available for the regular guy. First, you know, it's translated into the vernacular of the people. They actually, one of the earliest translations was into Latin. And they called it the Latin Vulgate. Vulgate was like the vulgar not the sophisticated language, it's the language of the common people, the Latin Vulgate, later on English translations. The Bible translated and and then made available once the invention of the printing press happened and books could be mass produced, Reformation was inevitable because people could read it for themselves and no longer be limited to what the church leadership was telling them. They could read it for themselves and they could read that, um, you know, that Christ said such things as, uh, call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father and that is God, that they could read the apostle Paul saying, there's only one God and only one mediator between God and man. That is the man Christ Jesus. Once they read that, they go, wait a minute, you've been, you've got us praying through all these saints and you've got us praying to, to the priest. You've got all kinds of go-betweens between us and God. But the Bible says there's only one. Only one mediator, that is Christ Himself. So, what is the question? It was was seeing the the distance. It was once they could read the Bible and they could go, Wait a minute, here's what the Bible says. Here's what you've been telling us it's been saying. And Reformation is what happened. That Reformation, Jay, is what made America happen. Because people uh, seeking freedom to go, We want to just, we want to read the Bible. We want to be free to read it and live it as we, we can read it ourselves. That's why they came here.
2: It's Babylon all over again, if you think about it, right? And it's 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 basically anytime man consolidates power, God, you know, sp- should be splitting it up because man is corrupt, and where you have more man, you're going to have you know more corruption, right? So that was that happened in Babel. It happened in the Catholic Church, and the Protestant Reformation shattered it out and de- decentralized everything to where there was no barrier between God and man again. You know, and I and I think that that is is something that people need to understand. And again, there are like you said, there are great Catholics. There are Catholics that I, you know, that I watch. I, I love uh, a lot of what um, that guy who looks like Owen Wilson. Uh, God, what's his the the Church Militant is his name? I can't remember. He's the guy who does a really great news breakdown of everything and yeah and he he points out the massive hypocrisies of the catholic church and goes after all of the pedophiles he goes after the pope he goes after all of them he is yeah yeah i think he's out of detroit you know so he's not like in some really like i think he's from a pretty hard place and i i just look at him and i'm like man i wish he wasn't so lost with the, the whole mary thing You know, like every time I hear them go to pray to Mary, it just drives me crazy. I'm like, why would you go to Mary when you can go to Jesus? You know, it's just but at the same time, he's 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 so brilliant on a lot of other things. And he's so brave and he's so bold and he's an ally. Right. And he considers us lost. We consider him lost. But we have so much in common. Um, yes, indeed. That, right. and that's what we need to find. And we need to continue to support guys like him within his church because the Catholic Church has done more harm to a lot of people, particularly with their rampant pedophilia out there. Yeah. You know, my grandfather, it, my my family of atheism was spawned out of St. Vincent's in Newfoundland, where my grandfather was raped by priests in, in an orphanage over there in Newfoundland. Yeah. And that's why he 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 was very anti-religious and the whole family devolved very broken from that, you know, through drug addiction and overdoses, accidental overdoses and and very dark lives because of that sin uh, Mm -hmm. that the church did to him. And that sent me I was raised without religion because of it. Right. Because my grandparents basically, you know, were, were the main drivers of everything. So how much harm has that spiraled out? You know throughout uh, the time yeah. and i know the catholic church as a whole has done some very good things right they've done some very very good things they are doing some amazing things all over the work so i'm not this isn't a yeah. pig pile on them it's just you know one of the best things about christianity is you don't have to hide who you are there is no purity test you can come forward and be the you can be paul the most miserable sinful murderous jihadist on the planet mm-hmm. find jesus confess your sins and it's even more powerful testimony yeah you know what i'm saying so there's really no need to hide all this garbage They, if there's one yeah. place where it should be like on the tip of the spear is say we were this we're not that mm-hmm. anymore That's and we're gonna mind. hunt it out and, and so anyways, I didn't mean to go on a, on a, off on a tangent there on this, uh, on this podcast. I really wanted to keep this very <laughs> concise and on, on topic, but anytime I get around to you, you're such a wealth of knowledge. I find like, I just want to chase some things down. Um, and, 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 you know, while well, I've got you in front of me. So um, some things that, you know, I'm, we're looking for some advice from you um, on a few things here. The, The current, you know, Christian out there who is a conservative is down in the dumps. All these prophets were wrong. Everything that, you know, false prophets is what I'm going to call them. And all these different, um, you know, people who thought they were directly communing with Jesus and that this was going to happen and that was going to happen and this was going to happen and all that. You know, they're heartbroken right now and they're shaking. And yeah. I've stepped away from the news. I still plug in and I read, you know, headlines from Trusted Resources. And I watch Tucker Carlson and I'm still aware of it. But I no longer watch the, you know, the, the Hopium, as you called it. And I no longer watch uh, the Patriot porn out there, um, as I call the other stuff. Um, what do you recommend? How plugged in should people be to, one, know what they're up against out there in the world? without being coming these miserable, angry people that we all tend to be if we watch you know, the news channels all day.
1: Yeah, that's right. We could be in, in danger of becoming quite demagogic. And it, it is admittedly a hard time to see what's happening. You, If you believe, as most of us do, that massive fraud was uh, the means whereby the left came into power, yep. you know we've got to stand against this. We do have to take our stand. I have no idea how things are going to turn out, but I do know we have to resist the evil that has taken over our nation. I don't believe we should be doing that with violence. I believe we should be trying to change minds. We ought to have a plan. We ought to be able to continue to demonstrate wisdom. And To do that, we've got to stay connected, stay involved. We can't abandon the field and just say, well, that's it. That's it. It's gone. It's too far gone. Even if you, as I do, actually believe that some of what we're witnessing right now is truly the judgment of God on our nation. I had a, the other day, a friend of mine actually posted in a group um, a group text, that's just, you know, a bunch of pastors that are in this particular group. Charlie Kirk put this group together, connected us all. We're all pastors who are in defiance of our tyrannical state governments during this whole lockdown. One of those guys is very well connected through, uh, you know, his work in Washington D.C. with the Family Research Council, and he quoted a particular congressman that wouldn't uh, he wouldn't put his name on the quote, which I, I thought was wise because it is he would be used by his uh, his enemies. It's an extremist statement. Let me read it to you. Um, uh, right here. this statement here oh come on scrolling
2: it's all right well, you find it i can i, I have here, no shortage I got, of things okay go ahead
1: here, here it is the initial disproportionate dc troop presence served multiple purposes this is written by a member of congress the desired appearance of a military police state designed to induce fear into a resisting populace and second to display administrative no-nonsense willingness to use military power against its citizenry. Retaining thousands of troops in D.C. continues that message. During the next few months, the administration intends to pass, declare, and implement one anti-democratic transformational decision after another. The one-party state isn't kidding around. They are swiftly using their unchecked power to their advantage. They will first ensure future elections will present no threat to their power base. By then, they will have recreated the US into a docile, compliant member of a globalist state. And that is what Biden's campaign theme, Build Back Better Means. The basis of American government that is ruled by the consent of the governed will have been rendered a dinosaur, while the rule of law will have little effect protecting individual liberties and rights Chief among these casualties was the loss of rule by the consent of the government, because the people were given no little to no true audit of 2020 voting integrity. Recounting illegal ballots does not equal voting integrity. Second, censorship of individual speech by corporate media and political interests. Justice is denied today and was denied to hundreds of millions of Americans in the 2020 election. This began with algorithms from social media global conglomerates. Our government did nothing to protect its people from this basic trampling upon Americans' inalienable rights. Here's the part. Listen to this, Jack. It may be too late for an American a rest- uh, re- uh, restoration of American freedom the Lord of Heaven's armies may have rendered judgment upon our unrepentant, sin-sick nation as the current one-party state was elected by the corrupt alliance between one political party and corporate global behemoths. However, there's always a response that pleases and moves the heart of our living Savior, and that is surrender, surrender to God. As we surrender to Him, and are all to him. We find new joy, new hope, and we live. In other words, I believe I can rightly interpret what this particular member of Congress has said is there is no hope except God. If we will just turn to him as a people, if we would just humble ourselves, confess our sin, and forsake our wickedness, if we would just come back to God, there isn't anything that God cannot change. Even, you know, the, the thought that, um, you know, that they, they've now, they've got control of the election process, they'll never lose again. I don't think they've got anything that cannot be thwarted by God. If we would just turn to him, if we would just and in, in, in appeal to him. That, remember, you remember that flag, Jay, that, that old uh, Washington cruiser flag that I put yep. in the, yep. uh, on the cross?
2: Heaven. I saw that yeah. all over the Trump rally, by the way.
1: Yeah, and appeal to heaven. That is what our appeal has to be to right now. We've got to call out to God for a miracle. We've got to call to God and then seek to influence our uh, fellow citizens. We've got to change minds. We've got to reason with people. We've got to be reasonable even in the face of their irrationality. And uh, we got to really support those people who are, I don't know if you heard uh, Rand Paul. Oh, um, let me say full
2: disclosure on something on Rand Paul. Before you get into this, I used to call Rand Paul a quack. I used to, because I was, the military complex. You know, I was a seal. I was a cop and I believed in everything I did. Now I am more in line with Rand Paul. He was right all along. And I feel like an absolute idiot, you know, because that guy has more courage in his little finger as this little nerdy guy. He than is just a little, dude. Most-
1: if you ever took the time to write that on a letter to him and get it to his office, I'm telling you that would, that would invigorate him. Oh, I, a-
2: I will. He and is, I will send him is, a video.
1: Uh, <laughs> it would be really cool. Yeah. He is a, a brave man. And uh, he is the product of his father yeah. who uh, who trained him. And libertarians have got a lot right. And um, his reproof yesterday of Congress, and this whole impeachment thing, was just bold and daring. People like Rand Paul and Ted Cruz need our support now more than they ever have. And Josh, young Josh Hawley, there's a stud. There's a hero. And yep. they need our prayers. We need to pray for them and they need our support. Anybody who is willing to step up and stand, especially now, are true heroes.
2: So let me frame this for some people, because this video is basically going to be, you know, how to be a strong Christian and how to be a strong Christian warrior. And why are we talking about politics? And I want to tell everyone why, because there is no part of your life that Christ should not have ownership over and there is a party of murder of the unborn and then there is a party that is against it and that's what you need to understand and you can't just tuck away your sex life you can't just tuck away your politics away from Christ right mm-hmm. and and that's why the redefining of the words that we talked about earlier trying to make it sound like Christ was a socialist is nonsense you know yeah. so one of the things you know that I'd like to to close out is our time together is, you know, how does a person who wants the truth, who wants to be able, who who wants to know if they're in the right place as far as Mm -hmm. a church goes. And I know you're talking to people across the nation, so you're not sharking from any other churches, but I just want just to give somebody, if you could break it down, uh, what are the telltale signs that they're in a place that they shouldn't be in? You, what do you mean? Spiritually? or uh, I'm talking or, about like walking into a church and wondering if they're like being uh, ministered by a wolf in sheep's clothing. Right?
1: And the only way for a person to really know that is to know the Scripture themselves. So it's interesting, you know, people will go to the church to learn Bible. But you can't always count on that anymore. There's a, there's And, and really, it's, it's always been that way. You actually have to read for yourself and know what does God say? What are His commandments? And if that Church, so-called, violates the direct command of God, thou shalt not murder. And that church believes in, it's a package deal. You find out where they stand on abortion, and you'll know everything you need to know about where they stand theologically, that they're whacked. That is, if, if they believe that people not have the right to kill, that murder babies, that if they actually believe that there's a stage of um, human life where they're not as human, if right. they believe in something less than fully human, then they were already in line with the, what is it, 1855 uh, Supreme Court, their Dred Scott decision that claimed that the American, Native American and the uh, black man were not fully human. Therefore, you know, we could own them, buy them and sell them and our constitution didn't really protect them. The, the, the rainbow flag means it's a dead giveaway that that professing Christian church uh, does not believe what the scripture tells us in the laws of God with regard to human sexuality. They believe in this diversity. They've hijacked God's rainbow to make it their symbol of variations and diversity. It's a package deal, but it's kind of like, you know, if somebody says to you, I a friend of mine who's a former member of the United States Congress, and he always illustrates it like this. You sit down on a plane and, you know, you're talking to people and they go, what are you doing? You go, oh, I'm a politician. And they go, oh, that's just wonderful. I think I think it's wonderful that people get involved in public service like that. And I know that, you know, there's Democrat, and Republican and they're really all the same thing. And, you know, really <laughs> what really matters is that you have, you know, that you are there to serve. And as a congressman, you know, that guy just revealed by saying that he didn't know anything. He hasn't got a clue. To say that they're all the same, we're all the same. No, they're definitely not all the same. Same with churches. If yeah. somebody goes, oh, that's wonderful. You're, you're a Christian or you're a minister. I think that's just wonderful. I just think it's important that people just believe because they're all the same. We're really all the same as long as you really believe sincerely. You know that that person saying that hasn't got a clue. We're not all the same. And we definitely, there's, there's a false church and there is a real church, a true church, but it all comes right down to where do they stand with the Bible? In the the church that flies the rainbow flag, that believes that humans ought to be able to have the right to murder little unborn humans, they are a church that has set themselves above this book and have judged it themselves and said, oh, you know, we believe part of it's good, and we we you know they they would say the rest of it you can't uh, you can't trust, and it's just a document and. They do the same thing with the American Constitution. You know, the United States Constitution to them is it's a living, breathing, you know, ever changing. No, it's not. Right. Um, You want to find a church that places itself under the authority of this book and says, This book will judge me. This book is the judge of me. I'm not the judge of it. My job is to fall upon that rock and be broken. And um, that's your, those are the basics right there. If you, if you, if you see Rainbow <laughs> Flag, get out of there. Now there's all kinds of woke churches. Now there's all kinds of really big, slick um, you know
2: concert, know, like, yeah,
1: like yeah, night nightclub atmosphere, yeah. smoking lights and yeah. all kinds of slickdom and some preacher in sneakers and skinny jeans.
2: If you're if um, you're going for the music, you're missing the point.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you're going because oh, I had a really good time, you go to a club.
2: Just go to yeah. a club. Yeah,
1: if you're looking for smoke and lights, go to a club. The it's the like, attempt to um, simulate, the attempt to provide a a sensory experience, you know, um, with smoke and lights. What are they trying to? They're trying to be like the the Wizard of Oz, right? You know, they're they're great Oz, creating an illusion. We don't. The true and living God does not need smoke and lights and an illusion created. He no. just needs to be presented.
2: You know what he needs, Ken. Or what he doesn't need but you know what it helps is when you bring a trembling drug addict who has been on a four-day bender up on stage and you call the leaders and the elders up there to prey on somebody who's failed yet again that you guys are going all in on that is the stuff that just my heart splits open and that is what needs to be seen not some darn concert on the stage right? The failures of humanity and men and women waiting in to lock shields around their fallen brother or sister who is struggling and failing and seeking Christ. Um, That is what we need more of in churches. And you are up to your eyeballs in it. And you are a living example of what a church should be at Calvary Chapel, Bangor. I want to take away one of the left's talking points and modern churchy and any talking points. And I've heard you say this before, particularly in one of your men's conferences where, you know, they say, God loves you exactly where you are. Right. God loves you who you are. And can you, you know, I want to give you a chance to not to to answer that because I believe God loves me. you know where I'm at and I'll let you finish the other part of of that. Uh,
1: the rest, the other part is he loves me too much to leave me where I'm at. Exactly. God loves us as we are, and he loves us way too much to leave us as we are. That is why the son of God said you must be born again, because we're all flawed and we need to change. We must be born again. The word repent, the scripture calls us, the son of God said, repent for the kingdom of God is near. What does repent mean? Literally, change your mind. We're all in the need to change of mind. Yep, God loves us. But God calls us. And as a matter of fact, that's what the Apostle Paul said to a bunch of pagan philosophers on Mars Hill in Athens. He said, God, who's, he's the one who created everything. He's been good to us. He's the one that's given us fruitful seasons and, and uh, made food grow out of the earth. And we're, you know, giving credit to that, to all these false gods of fertility. The Apostle Paul said, God has been really cool about this, but he calls all men everywhere. To repent. And he has appointed a day of judgment.
2: So let me drill that's down on that are. a little bit if I could. Um Please. that's that's where I think these rainbow churches go wrong, where it's okay to to be to live in sin and defy God's word over and over again mm-hmm. because they're not repenting and they're not turning away from their sin. They're celebrating it and moving in forward with it. You know that it is okay to have done any sin one you know you know we're all sinners and you know right. we are all sinners and we but we have to be moving towards Christ that's either, mm-hmm. you know repenting and moving towards God or else we're not a changed heart we're not reborn you know it's i'm not true. saying that it's works but well, how can you how can you say you love Christ if you're doing something when you're repeating the same stuff over and over again are you truly repenting
1: what the so called book church and, and and folks do and what they've been doing for now decades is they want to equate behavior with an inalienable trait of humanity, like the color of your skin or the texture of your hair? They want to equate behavior with those things and say, "God made me this way." I uh, how do I word this? Oh uh, yeah. Um, To identify a person, as they like to do now, as some kind of a subspecies of humanity, and to equate skin color with sexual preference is profoundly wicked. Uh, uh, Nobody else would do that, a behavior, say, of theft. Nobody, God's law lays out, thou shalt not steal. The thief can't say, this is one of my inalienable traits. I was born a thief. God would say it's not okay. you gotta repent. You got to repent of it. You've got to forsake thievery. And he would say the exact same thing to the murderer. He would say the exact same thing in his law continues to call sinners to repent. God would say, if, you know, if you're uh, sexually guilty of adultery or fornication, the law says thou shalt not. The law of God doesn't change. But the, now the homosexual and the lesbian or all the other alphabetical what is it LGBTQ and I I can't even keep up with that.
2: Yeah, they keep that crowd
1: that. wants to claim that everything about them is good. Their sexual preferences are good and God given, and they are not. So they want to equate it with you know physical traits that God is responsible for and instead of repenting so this is the rebellion of the modern age the rebellion of the modern age and and you'll find it in the so-called woke church which is a fake church the rebellion is you know god's law says this but that that was that is we don't believe that anymore no god wants to he wants us to celebrate all of our various um you know preferences and our various makeup it is um it is a great wickedness. I mean, there are there's, it's it's the area of sexuality. Not well, I can I guess we could also include you know the the command of do no murder. Um, humanity wants to say, well, it's not really murder, but they're not really a person, right? So right. That's exactly how the uh, Nazis were able to slaughter millions of Jews. They're not fully human. They're they're a subspecies of humanity, and so they could justify doing whatever they wanted. Do they could kill all of the cripples as they did? The Nazis could murder all of the mentally retarded people because they were useless eaters and they were less than human. And Again, redefining
2: the, the word human.
1: And we've done the same thing with human unborn babies. And now it's not even unborn. Now it's beyond that. You know that. You get that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's my state.
2: Governor. That's that's my that's the governor that we're fleeing right now because he's about to make us all, you yeah. know, felons.
1: He believes that you can murder those little people
2: after they've been born. Yeah. So the line just keeps moving.
1: They're not they were not fully human in, in this particular trimester. Then they become human here later. And these and then now, you know, that that wicked Northstrom has got this this recorded conversation where he talks about a little human being kept comfortable while the conversation happens, you know, about their verdict. And then an execution, an innocent person who's never done anything wrong, executed because of the will of another. And so they just keep moving the line. So that's the danger of of, uh, judging God and judging his law rather than allowing God to judge us. And uh, that's a dead giveaway. Find out where a church stands on uh, human sexuality and where they stand on the murder of the unborn. And you'll know everything you need to know. That they don't actually believe in Christ. They don't. They reinvented Christ.
2: Yeah, murder for convenience. That mm-hmm. is the disgusting, most disgusting part of it.
1: Child sacrifice.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I don't. I don't know if you have to wrap it up. If not, I would like to grab one last topic real quickly. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Awesome. So again, not. You know, we can't tuck any part of our life away away from God. And one of the things right. I want to talk about next is music. A lot of us, uh, you know, I came from listening to the most evil satanic music and it sucked me down a very dark path as a, as a teenager who had nowhere to go. But that, that that's where my anger and that's where my guidance came from. I listened to the most vile things on earth and that fueled my anger and reinforced my anger and drove me in a direction. And, that's just one example um there are countless other types of music out there that are very immoral everything from you know cardi b and all these other things that surround our people and our kids and everything else so i wanted to talk if you could talk about the corruption of music and the effect that that has uh, that can have on our kids um you know if you want to and us
1: is a powerful tool it is it's so very much um, the language of the soul it generates stimulates and really amplifies emotion so it is a combination of emotion and thought so it, it involves the heart and the mind in a way that few other mediums do I and mean, you can say something in written form or you can sing it and attach it to the, the vehicle of very music. well said it can become so much more powerful. Well, I I have to go back to Psalm 1, where the scripture says, and the psalmist David writes, the blessed person, the happy person, is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. The secular music, it's quite a broad spectrum, just to say secular or non-sacred music, it's got a, a, you know, it covers a, a lot of different styles and a lot of different messages. But ultimately, what really matters is the message. And are we uh, allowing ourselves to be entertained and then influenced by the message that is completely contrary to the revelation of God? Is it encouraging human um, indecency and, and, uh, or, or feeding human pride, hate, vanity? Uh, you know, very common. I'm sure you're, you know as well as anybody in your audience the role that... Um, modern music plays in modern warfare. Yeah. How many guys gotta just, you know, put, just plug in Eminem's hate and angst and violence or, or somebody else's death metal to, to get pumped up, to go out and do a job, to, to feed uh, an emotion for inspiration.
2: it was tamping down fear for me so whenever i was scared which was often right as i'm an atheist at that point so i'm dying i'm worm food my ride's over right so in order to handle that fear i had to i had to get so white hot angry and that's what i would listen to is stuff that would make me that way so i didn't care about the fear right and 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 now you know man i wish i had my savior back then and and boy was able to rely on him like so many of there were guys around me like that and to be honest with you ken they're one of the far more resilient than us anger seekers or our anger addicts you know all the anger addicts all went the way of ptsd and went you know and are and having a lot of different problems because they're calling upon those demons to help them get through it whereas Uh, Christians leaned on God and did it for a higher, you know, you know, and mm-hmm. and they came out of it, you know, with minimal impact from what I've seen.
1: It is a, a difference between, you know, just feeding emotion and then acting on emotion versus feeding an understanding and a philosophy. It's thought versus feeling, and if all you got is just you know fuel the fire of rage and then go act on it, it's not as high a compelling motivation as it is to feed the, the philosophy and to think it through and to understand the, the morality of it. And that kind of clarity of a just cause, you know, it well, is, is a uh, just
2: cause. And it's just unnatural to inflict permanent harm on another living being. If you slow yeah. it down right yeah. if you if you slow it down like it's different when you're reacting and you're in a fight and you're you're ducking and covering and swinging and, and doing what you're doing because you're trying to survive right yeah. But the true sickos who like get into torture and mutilation and all that type of stuff um you know it's just really unnatural to destroy somebody when you look in their eyes and you see their soul there right um sure. it, 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 it. and that's what i think a lot of guys have a hard time dealing with is not killing the jihadist that's coming after you. It's fighting the other guy who doesn't know any better, who is out there and he's fighting. He believes he's fighting for his family and for his God and his thing. And if you don't have God to pray for forgiveness for that, you know, where are you going to go? Some guys just keep on Some guys are sociopaths and they unplug their heart. And I don't think that's the way to go. So I just, I just think that, you know, again, you know, having Christ, uh, in your heart, those guys were so much more resilient and they are out yeah. living very full lives right now, instead of, you know, trying to plug a hole that they'll never fill otherwise.
1: Well stated. And and, and it's better to deal with the issues with God and, and speak to your fellow man about what was right or what was wrong. You know, the, the justification for something or seeking God's forgiveness for what is wrong. It's not justifiable. And it's, it was, it, but that our sins could actually be dealt with that guilt's not merely a feeling guilt's actually a real thing. And it can be taken. We can, yeah. we can have the Lord take it from us. So we're truly forgiven. It's, it's as if we never had done it, but when it comes to music and the influence of music, I, I think that God has given us a great gift. And, you know, the Psalms, the hymn book of the nation of Israel, the, the primary writer is a warrior poet named David King. He's yeah. killed giants. He's he's also been guilty of things for which he needs. he writes of his need for forgiveness. He also writes of those great victories. It's quite a mix, you know. Some of the psalms are heavy. Some of them are really light and majestic. And I think modern artists there are a few that are like that, and, and they're hard to find. But boy, what would you do? I find of uh, in times of great danger, in times where I am very much. A uh, conscious of the danger. There's a Celtic band called Iona that they bless me, and they take they take lyrics from long ago. Previous yeah. Christians would write things like, "I bind unto myself today the power of God to hold and lead His might to save His His eye to watch and His ear to hearken to my plea." Um, you know the 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 words of of, of uh, truth they i find inspiration in them yeah times when i'm stepping into danger i'm stepping into places where i have got to take a stand and it's not going to be appreciated and um uh, you know
2: i just yeah scary I moments have, yeah i just wanted to say that you know m- music helped bring me to god country music Uh, started with patriotic music with Toby Keith. And then he started mentioning God and all those things. And my aversion to that thought started slowly lowering, which it works in reverse the other way. When I was on the other side of it and I was a blank slate, you know, angry kid, hurt, abandoned type kid, I filled it with everything else. So just understand what your kids are listening to is moving them down a certain path and to find things that, music that agrees with your values and your beliefs out there because they're all singing about something and you better figure out what they're singing about That's true. right and you know one of the things that i'm really blessed about about right now is you know that i've been struggling finding some good music to work out to and i haven't listened to rap in 20 something years and I found some really Bible-believing, patriotic dudes that are speaking the God's word. And you probably—I'm not—I'm not sure if you're a, a fan of any of them or not. But I found a guy named Bryson Bry- Gray who sings a song called "False Teachers," where he's basically calling out all the fake Christian rappers out there. And, nice. and he, he's like, I hear them, say, you know, saying all these verses, and I'm not hearing Bible verses. And he's calling—he goes right after the the, you know. The, the lgbtq stuff and all the artists that wishy-washy on that you know that, and so he's and, confrontational oh, oh whoa Ken! I'll, there's one song i want you to listen to is that false teachers i was gonna copy and paste the words and send them to you so you could see it first and then you'd be able to look at it is something where you're just gonna be like i mean he is basically just calling them out and saying there is a day of judgment coming and you've chosen your pocketbook over god right and you need to get you need to repent now and fix this right and he and he's talking then he talks to the lgbt community saying i don't hate you i want to see you redeemed you know but th- this is not the way this is th- the word is the word right Amen. The, the, so i'm gonna I'll, I'll uh i'll send that to you and then we can uh, yeah, talk to, i i did already and You didn't respond. You ghosted on me, but that's all right. It's in there. It's called. It's called False Teachers. I know you get a lot of stuff.
1: So I can look back through our text history. Our text. Of
2: yeah, you can see it, and it's called False Teachers by Bryson Gray. And I'm telling you, you are going to be blessed by this.
1: Oh yeah, you see me? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: There it is. (laughs) So anyways, uh, whether you like it or not, you know, you'll appreciate it. I will.
1: I will appreciate it. I guarantee.
2: All right. So I appreciate you so much for your time, brother. I love you. I miss you guys. I miss everybody there in Bangor, Maine, at uh, Calvary Chapel, um, Bangor. Um, Could you pray us out um, for another week?
1: God, we pray for wisdom. It's the chief thing. We live in a crazy day. We need to see things your way. In order to be able to answer people, in order to be able to respond instead of react, help us, Lord. May we grow in our understanding of your word, but that's where wisdom comes from. And then uh, help us to actually walk in it, be real, and and, uh, understand what real meekness is. That we are submissive to the divine will, that we're yielded to you. That's what meekness is. Pray for that in the name of Christ, okay. Amen.
2: Amen. I just want to point out that I wore flannel for you today. Out, I thought really you were going to have your flannel. On. I got like six flannel shirts. I'm like, when Ken's on, I'm going to like try to do dueling flannels with him from now on. <laughs> All right, I'm on to you now. I'm right, a little but, slow. <laughs> no, don't worry about it, my friend. Hey, you have a blessed week, and give everyone do my best. Man. Grace, peace to you.
0: Thank you for listening to Patriot Crusader Mission where Christian warriors are forged, sponsored by Patriot Crusader Mission Patreon page. Join us and become the Christian warrior you are called to be. Thank you for standing shoulder to shoulder with us in today's spiritual vanguard on Christian Warrior Talk, presented by Christian Warrior Mission. As we've united in prayer, let's hold fast to the truth in Nehemiah 4.14. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Until next time, let's keep a humble and grateful heart, deliberately pursue our relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and equip ourselves with the full armor of God. You're not walking this path alone. Lock shields with us, and together we will hold the line. May God bless you all.